I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I don't really know what to talk about today. Nothing's really going on. No big news. You know, usual stuff. Let's see, what do we got? Uh, oh, there's primary elections. That's happening. In case you forgot about that, that's happening today. You still have three hours to go ahead and get your vote in in Indiana. So, yeah, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> massive, massive drop of news today, which was not supposed to happen today. This is one of the reasons that everybody's kind of caught off guard. This was a leak out of the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court, I've gone back and looked. I can't find another time that there was a leak of a ruling that came out of the Supreme Court. And I know several other people have tried to find one. They haven't found it yet either. It may not have ever happened. And here's the thing. These leaks are bad. Obviously, there's uh, you know very powerful feelings on both sides here about the leak because of the subject of the leak. But nonetheless, this was not supposed to happen. You were not supposed to hear about this. It is officially not official. Does that make sense? This is officially not official. They have authenticated the leak. They are investigating the leak. The FBI may actually get involved in this. But it's not official yet. Now, the reason that I I want to bring this up, just because, you know, obviously it's uh, it's very likely that this is how this is going to go. But the reason that I want to bring it up is back in 1992, we thought Roe v. Wade was going to get overturned as well. So in 1992, according to historians of the Supreme Court, there was a vote, and a majority of the justices voted to overturn Roe v. Wade. Something happened, okay? Chief Justice Rehnquist actually wrote the majority opinion. Something happened, and Justice Kennedy switched his vote. So, theoretically, me not being an expert on the Supreme Court, theoretically, I suppose that could happen now, but it did happen in the 1990s. So I just want to temper everybody's, you know, kind of feelings here and their emotion. But here's something else that I'm going to do that I don't usually do at the beginning of the show. I'm going to open up for the phone calls. So if you want, sorry, Amelia, if you want to call and respond to this news, I would love to have your call, regardless of which side you're on. 574-2595-953, call now. The Glass Doctor of Elkhart and St. Joseph County phone line, 574-2595-953. That is 2595-953. All right. Here's a story. It's in Politico, who got the exclusive on this. And what's interesting about the Politico article is that Politico is like, we've never, we've never heard of a Supreme Court leak before. Yeah, you leaked it. you did it (laughs) Uh, Supreme Court has voted to strike down the landmark Roe v. Wade decision according to an initial draft majority opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito circulated inside the court and obtained by Politico and again the fact that we even know about this is bad we shouldn't know about this all right calls are rolling in now so just just give me a couple of minutes to set this up 
and then we'll take your, your phone calls and we'll get your reaction to this, regardless of which side you're on. The draft opinion is a full-throated, unflinching repudiation of the 1973 decision, which guaranteed federal constitutional protections of abortion rights and subsequent 1992 decision of Planned Parenthood versus Casey, no relation, that largely maintained that right. Roe was egregiously wrong from the start, Alito writes. Okay. First of all, Roe v. Wade didn't really grant abortion rights. That's not true. That's not what it did. It was a ruling on privacy. And and there is a distinct difference there. And, and that is actually addressed in Alito's written opinion. So, again, it's... This is this it's 98 pages. Okay. I realize. <laughs> Tell me that Justice Alito hasn't been waiting to write this for a long time. 98 pages in this opinion. And like I said before, I, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an expert on the Supreme Court. I don't know if theoretically they can change their votes. What I can tell you is that this is officially not official. That's what I can tell you. We are all learning about this before we were supposed to learn about it. All right. 574-2595-953. That is 2595-953. To the phone lines we go. Jeff, welcome to the program. Hey, Casey, thanks for taking my call. Sure, man, what's up? Hey, uh, on that Roe versus Wade, Mm -hmm. uh, I have two opinions, which don't mean much. It's my opinions. Uh... The first one is the Democrats keep saying that it's women's health care. Right. Personally, I think sex is a lifestyle. I don't think it has anything to do with uh, health care. I think it's a lifestyle. It's an elective cosmetic procedure, basically. You've heard me say that a million times on the show. It's an elective procedure right. that's almost never necessary. Which is a good thing that it's almost never necessary now because it didn't used to be the case. But now, you know, very rarely do you actually need an abortion for any any reason. Okay, what's your second point? My second point is, real quick, Casey, is uh, God forbid it don't happen and never will happen. But uh, if somebody hurts or, God forbid, kills a woman that's pregnant, they get charged with the baby's murder, too. But Correct. yet then the lady can just uh, abort it with a heartbeat and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you call that? Yeah, it's a, it's a legal double standard. You're absolutely right. All right, Jeff, appreciate the call. De- you, you can't defend it. Uh, well, no, you can't. You're right. And we talked about that a lot in the show. The defense of that is the intention of the mother is what determines life, which is obviously uh, unscientific. But that is true. If a woman is 10 weeks pregnant and somebody causes the death of that child in her belly, that person is charged with murder, yet she can walk into a clinic and kill that child at that same exact 10-week mark, and it is legal. That is a clear double standard in our legal system. And the only defense that I've ever heard for it is, well, the intention of the mom is all that matters. That's that's not science. That's not science at all. But I'll take more phone calls on this. And, and again, if, if you if you are opposed to the Supreme Court repealing Roe v. Wade, I am happy to hear that call as well. 574-2595-953. More coming up. 95.3 MNC.
And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. I want to thank you for joining me on Rumble as well. For those of you watching on Rumble, rumble.com slash Casey, the host. So we got a leak. Supreme Court uh, ruling allegedly on Roe v. Wade, as well as the Casey case, have been have been leaked and they were repealed. Uh, and, of course, this is not officially official, okay? Uh, but this has been confirmed. They did confirm this leak. They are investigating now. Uh, you have to understand something. This is this is very, very egregious. They are talking about if it came from a justice that there could be impeachment. Okay, that's how that's how bad potentially this could be. I don't know the process for impeaching a justice. It's been a long time since it's even been discussed, but uh they're they're very obviously no justice would be that stupid. They would have a staffer do it and a staffer would play dumb and that sort of thing. But this is um this is an egregious an egregious leak. But with the substance of the leak, we have a 98-page political opinion here from Justice Alito about Roe v. Wade. And it is uh, its very telling. Uh, there's some quotes we'll get into here where you can tell that Justice Alito had been waiting to do this for a long time. But I wanted to get your reaction. We'll get into you know the meat and potatoes of this stuff, but I really wanted to get your reaction, your visceral reaction of what happened today. 574-2595-953. That is 2595 Nine five three to the phone lines we go. Samuel, welcome to the program. Hi, Casey. How are you today? I'm doing well, man. How are things in Australia? Uh, getting better. Most of uh, most of our restrictions are gone, but uh, I'll, I'll bore you with those details on another day. Today's right. probably not the day for it. Okay, what's going on? Um, Roe v. Wade. Uh, and just for uh, historical context, the original Roe v. Wade decision was actually leaked a couple of hours before it was announced. Was it? Okay. Um, but, yeah, but that wasn't a draft decision months out from it. So gotcha. not quite the same thing. Um, I do, however, hope that uh, Chief Justice Roberts gets to the bottom of it and holds whoever did it in contempt for until he retires. They can sit in a jail cell <laughs> until he retires. There you go. Um I think, though, just uh, sort of a, I suppose, a, a sideways way of looking at this. This, to me, says that the decision, if it's what ends up happening, says to me a lot about uh, the culture wars and the impact voters have on the culture wars. I, I would say that since Reagan left office, you can probably count on, on one hand the number of conservative politicians who have gotten to Washington on a platform of upholding the Constitution, restoring constitutional rights, and then actually gone on to do something about it. One of those, and probably the most prominent one, that actually has really achieved something, and I think we can probably say is largely responsible for this decision, is one Donald Trump. Now, in 2016, Republicans and conservative voters, even those who who really didn't like the man at all, voted for him largely because he had a solid plan to change the makeup of the courts, mm-hmm. to appoint conservative justices, people who would uphold the Constitution, not just at the Supreme Court level, but at the circuit court level. And he went through and he did that. He might not have got a lot of other things done, but he did that. And I think we're starting to see that now. So I think what I take away from this you know, the, the Roe, Roe v. Wade, if it's repealed, it'll go back to the states. We know what will happen there. But if people want to see conservative action, want to see the Constitution upheld and restored, they need to ask themselves, who are they voting for? 
do we go back to voting for the Romneys who talk a good game about the Constitution but don't do anything? Or do we go with the Trumps, the DeSantis's, people like that who actually seem to be able to get something done? Well, in, you know, it's what's interesting about the Trump thing that you mentioned is, you know, there were a lot of people who thought that he was faking his pro-life stance. They didn't know the history of how he mm. changed his opinions. They didn't listen to that story on, on how he came to that decision because he had a very profound story on why he changed his mind on it. Whereas Romney never really explained why he changed his mind on any of that. But Trump did. He had a very profound personal experience with it. And mm. but a lot of people looked at the court thing and said, well, if nothing else, if he gets the courts done, then I guess that's something. And we have seen that pay dividends, I mean, throughout all of the federal courts. And the circuit courts have been the most impacted. And a lot of people, I think, felt that his appointments to the Supreme Court have been largely disappointing. And then you get to a ruling like this, and a lot of those people might be changing their minds about that. I would think they probably would. Um, and certainly some of the decisions you know, weren't... weren't weren't very uh, exciting from a conservative point of view up until now, but you're not going to win everything in court. It really, the justices can only work with the cases that are put in front of them and the arguments that are put in front of them. Mm -hmm. They can't do much more than that. So it was always going to take time after the the federal courts, the state courts, well, not that the feds have much control over the state courts, but you get my point. It was always going to take time for a case of this importance and magnitude to work its way through the court system. And I suppose as a side note, just if Trump decides to run for 2024, I would uh, actually kind of wonder if not being returned in 2020 one way or the other was maybe a good thing because there was a lot of dead wood appointed in that administration to the administration itself. And I would hope that Trump has learned a thing or two about how to deal with swamp creatures. I would hope so, too. Uh, The other thing that you have is you've got a really dismal administration who's screwing up at everything. You've got you've got (laughs) time. Let's be honest, that helps him a lot. But you've got uh, you've got all of these these court rulings now. You've got how the federal courts handled election issues. And a lot of that has really been very beneficial to Trump, and people kind of ignore that. So there's been a lot of there's been a lot of court court rulings that have really he could run on these. Look, I told you I was going to remake the courts, and as a result, you know, this court, this court, that court, that court have done all of these things that we had previously thought were going to be impossible. So if he chooses to run, and he's not running up against a DeSantis or something like that, I think that this certainly does give him some ammunition. There's no doubt. There's a compare and contrast that that we rarely see and haven't seen since Reagan. But we rarely see throughout human history anyway, um, where you have, you know, a previous president so differently, you know, having an effect on the country versus, you know, a a new president. And this time around, it's you can clearly see, hey, things are great when Trump was here. Things are really bad when Biden was here. Maybe we need to go back to that guy. So it's, you know, again, if this ruling holds this for many people will be the biggest thing that has ever happened in their political activism. And hopefully it makes people sit up and pay attention to the culture wars because this this very issue, Roe vs. Wade, is front and centre of the culture wars and I think is a perfect embodiment of, of, of everything that a lot of people hold dear. Very true. Samuel, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for the call.
Have a great day. You too. You know, something that is just constantly going through my mind when we talk about culture wars and the issue of abortion comes up, Gen Z is the most pro-life generation that we have had in a very, very long time. And, you know, I, I think that they probably see that in the science. They probably see that in the advancements and things of that nature that we just we haven't had those developments for many generations. But there's been leaps and bounds and their generation is seeing that. All right. Uh, to the phone lines we go. Paula, welcome to the program. What I would like to say is I find it very tailing that when they asked President Biden about this today, all he could do is complain about the decision. And he didn't even mention that there was a leak. Never mentioned Supreme it. Court. He never yeah. mentioned the leak or the, the egregiousness and, of it. And the president of the United States should care about that. I he agree with you. Does. Complete. I'm glad that you saw that as well. I, I made that observation earlier today. Very, very, very astute. Appreciate the call. Thank you so much. All right, folks. What do you think? 574-2595-953. That is 2595-953. I want your, your reaction to the Supreme Court leak on Roe v. Wade. We'll take those calls coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. MNC News Time is 331. It's time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Want to thank you for tuning in. Also want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend, Warsaw, Columbia City. Find them online at rbcarcompany.com. We're talking about the leak of the Supreme Court ruling, which may or may not completely hold up uh, for Roe v. Wade. And again, that got leaked out. So a lot of people have some you know, questions. Hey, Casey, isn't the timing of this a little suspicious? What's going on? You know, do you uh, find it odd that they already have legislation ready to go and to uh, you know, give women more rights and that sort of thing? Not really. Uh, not, not as far as the legislation is concerned. Both sides tend to have like legislation that's kind of in their back pocket. But remember, the Supreme Court already heard this case. So you knew that there were they were going to be working on something for when the ruling came out. It's just that the ruling came out because of the leak way earlier than anybody was expecting. So the legislation that they had raring to go for when the ruling came out is is stuff that they already had. So, no, I don't find that surprising. I do think that the leak was timed for political strategy. I think that whomever leaked this did so to try and help the Democrats by getting ahead of the midterm elections. Look, things don't look good for the Democrats right now. Uh, you've got even the staunchest liberal strategists looking at this and going, this is going to be a bloodbath. They're talking about the Republicans gaining more seats than the, the party has ever had in the House. And if that ends up being true, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it potentially could be very brutal. And they don't have anything to run on. So they've got they've tried to make it about the Supreme Court with, uh, you know, the retirement of the justice and everything else. But again, it doesn't remake the court. So it's not really that big of a deal. Uh, So they're they're desperately trying to find an issue that they can use to motivate their base because nothing else is going for them right now. And this could very well serve as a catalyst for for that. It's entirely possible. Back to the phone lines we go. Five, seven, four, twenty five, ninety five, ninety five, three. Kane, welcome to the program. Hello, Kane. All right. Don't have Kane. Uh, let's see. James, welcome to the program. Hi, 
Hi, Casey. This is James. How you doing, buddy? Doing well, um, man. What's up? Yeah, so good. Well, I just wanted to say, yeah, it does seem a bit suspicious in, in a lot of ways. But, you know, the one thing that I just wanted to say really is I remember when Joe Biden always used to say, we're fighting for the soul of America. Well, I'm going to tell you what, when it comes down to this, and I try not to be too religious, but um, when it comes down to abortion, we might be fighting for the soul of America if, if this does not get overturned. I think that, uh, you know, uh, it's one of those things that we kill hundreds of thousands of babies a year, and it's, it's just got to it's just got to stop. Something's got to happen. So you got to give the rights to the state and uh, let them make their own choices. But other than that, I just really wanted to say um, I wish I wish your wife a happy Mother's Day and your mother a happy Mother's Day. And just remember one thing for all you Catholics out there. Uh, it's May is, is the month of Mary, and you can't be a mother without having a child. There you go. James, appreciate it. Thank you for the kind words. I will certainly pass that on. And look, I mean, here's the thing. Um, there's a lot of, well, we'll just we'll just call it untruths. I, I don't know if we're, we're talking about ignorance or lies, combination of both. This is not unprecedented for the Supreme Court to overturn something. They've overturned rulings from previous courts over 230 times. Okay, it happens. Uh, they also, you know, when you're looking at what is going to happen to abortion, this doesn't take away abortion rights from women it just reverts back to where it's supposed to go the states now again uh, schumer has said this and i've told you many many times over the years that should roe v wade be overturned what'll what'll happen is you know your your national congress will start putting together legislation and the battle over abortion will start to happen where it is supposed to happen in the legislature right now it'll go back to the states when this is all done okay if this holds but it'll go back to the states, and then wherever you are, whatever state you're in, whatever laws they have on the books is what you have to abide by. And then eventually there will be the battle in the House of Representatives in the U.S. Senate, okay, which we already know that they are, are preparing up and gearing for. So this doesn't, this doesn't for, for women out there who are concerned about this, this doesn't, like, end abortion. That doesn't happen. And they've used that as a scare tactic for many, many, many years to try and say, well, if Roe v. Wade gets overturned, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, one lady today who was picked up on, I think it was Twitchy, shared the tweet. And she said, if we don't steamroll Republicans in the midterms, catch the strategy there, why the leak may have happened. If we don't steamroll Republicans in the midterms, women are going to die everywhere. Uh, okay, that's a stupid thing to say. That is designed to once again trigger this fight-or-flight reflex that people have. Remember, the entire goal of the media and the political apparatus, the political class, is to keep you in a heightened state of anxiety. When you're in that heightened state of anxiety, you are basically afraid and you're angry. And when people are afraid and people are angry, they are much more malleable. They're much easier to manipulate. They're much easier to control. They're much easier to direct. That is the whole point of perpetually keeping you in this state of anxiety. So when she goes out there and she tweets this thing out that, hey, we're, women are going to be dead, no, they won't, because abortion isn't going to go away. Now, you might live in a state, you may very well live in a state that immediately passes legislation that says no abortions. And at that point, you have a decision to make. You can move to a state that allows abortions or, you know, you can, like, take steps to not get pregnant. That's always an option. It's... We don't like to talk about that option. It's very inconvenient. Uh, it doesn't feel as nice. But, you know, 
it's still an option. It's one of those things you should probably consider. It's a, it's a little bit more affordable than relocating to a different state. Just take it from somebody who's relocated to many states. Definitely more affordable to just take precautionary steps than relocate to a state. Just trust me on that. No more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. True story. I was supposed to get the color consultation last week. Got too busy with the radiothon and everything. Got to try and set it up for this week or next week now. All right, back to the phone lines, talking about the Supreme Court leak today. We'll be done with this at the end of the hour. I know that we could talk all three hours about it, but... Uh, trust me, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about this in the future. Carl, welcome to the program. Good afternoon. Geez, already? Yeah, already. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, she said it'd be a minute, and I, maybe she's a Democrat. All I wanted to say was uh, I believe this is just trying to get the 24-hour news hour news cycle off of the economy mm-hmm. because everybody knows this is going back to the states where it should be where it's designated by the Constitution. Mm -hmm. So it's going back there. This is all a bunch of fluff just to get the people off of this this economy and and the stock market. Um, That's my opinion. Okay. All right. Appreciate the call. Uh, Look, there's no doubt that you're leading into the midterms here and you need an issue to run on. And you talk about this as opposed to talking about the other things. That's We already said. That's what I assume this leak is about. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Joel, welcome to the program. Good afternoon. Hey, Casey. What is obvious to me, and and Bonzino spoke about it a little bit, this is all by design, but the reaction from the Democrats and Biden, there's no outrage about the implications of this and, you know, what they're doing to the court and how they're Mm -hmm. trying to manipulate the court. They just jump right on and they're all behind it. And it's disgusting to me because there's I haven't heard a single word from a Democrat, that this is not a good thing because someday it could go the opposite way. And it's very, very disturbing. And the whole thing about, you know, this is there. It's right before the election. Mm-hmm. Now they want to pack the courts. Mm-hmm. And it, it's scary as hell. I'm sorry. It's scary as heck to me. Well, and, no, and, I, and here's the thing. I Again, I don't think that you're wrong. I, I really don't. It's clearly politically strategized. There's no doubt about that. Um, I agree with that. I, I do. I appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Uh, Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, how, how you doing, Casey? I'm doing well, man. What's up? Um, yeah, well, we need, basically this is just a, a cry for help from the Supreme Court. Um, this leak, you know, is their cry for help saying, you know, this is how we feel and it's going to be overturned. You know, we've been infiltrated and it's been infiltrated for quite some time now, especially with, um, you know, look what happened to Antonin Scalia mm-hmm. um, with his death. And then Ginsburg uh, being announced like a year and a half before her quote, actual death, you know, from CNN saying, well, you know, she passed away. But then from that time, you know, they said, oh, that was a mistake. And then, you know, she's still making decisions, but physically has never made an appearance from that point. Well, yeah, she disappeared for a um, while there and people speculated that she died. Right. 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 So then um, she really did die because she was 182. <laughs> so, but yeah, they're, you know, 
our Supreme Court is, is infiltrated, and this is why you're seeing decisions overturned at the last minute, you know, to uh, upset I mean, well, maybe, maybe to an extent. I mean, Mike, I appreciate the call. I, I don't think that this is like a cry for help from the Supreme Court because I, I do think that there is a political strategy here that somebody in that very, very, very small sphere of SCOTUS, and it is a very small sphere. It's one of the reasons that they're able to keep their secrets so closely guarded. There aren't that many people who work with the court that this got out is very, very serious, and it is clearly designed to affect the midterm elections. Uh, Obviously, Indiana's got primaries uh, happening today. Michigan's got an education vote. Uh, There's other states that are doing things right now, but you're also heading into the midterm elections, and there is nothing for the Democrats to campaign on. Nothing. Not a single solitary issue that they can campaign on. So, yeah, I think that there is some political strategy here. The, The real question is, who leaked it? And, and will they be found? That becomes the, the real rub there. Abby, welcome to the program. Yes. Hey, Casey. I okay. just wanted to kind of expand on something you were saying earlier. And mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people will have a collective hissy fit when they hear me say it, but mm-hmm. I don't care. Um, <clears throat> when you were saying earlier about, you know, prevention uh, of pregnancy, yeah, that's a real good thought. I think a lot of people need to be reminded that pregnancy is not like the common cold. You don't catch it. It is the direct result of having sexual intercourse. And maybe it's time that people across this country start taking personal responsibility for their bodies and remembering that the organs within our bodies aren't just there to be left to our own devices. They make children. And from the moment of conception on, life is a continuum. Nobody sprinkles fairy dust from above and says, now it's alive. It yeah, it's not moment. like it's not like you got pregnant from me and sneezed on at Walmart. You got it. And yeah. one cell divides into another cell all the way up till the end. That's why there's a lot of attention put uh, in later term abortions when the earlier term abortions that are far more readily available that people do often, more often, happen more. And people don't want to talk about that because people push that aside is not as a, not as big of a deal. Sure. But it is. Yeah. Nope. And people need to take responsibility for their body. There you go. And Abby, it's appreciate- high time we start doing it. I hope people call in. We don't hear near as much naysayers as I'd like. And I know that's not your fault. There's a lot of keyboard warriors that are little twits that don't want to call in and don't want to have their voice heard. But by golly, especially on this, it's time we hear from you. There you go. Abby, I appreciate the call. Thank you so much. You know, it's um, I've told people before, you know, the reason that guys support abortion is because guys don't want to be held responsible for sleeping around. And women oftentimes support abortion because they were lied to by a guy. It's it's kind of shifted that now women want to sleep around and not have any consequences. And, well, it feels nicer. Okay, it it just it, it feels it feels nicer when you don't have condoms and stuff like that. And. You know, you just you're running into a whole I don't want to be responsible for my actions sort of a thing. I want um, I want a mulligan. And this gives me a mulligan. One of the things that Libs of TikTok has done that enraged everybody and directly led to this Taylor Lorenz article is they did a montage of all of these leftists on TikTok celebrating the idea of throwing aborted babies into furnaces to use them as power 
for the energy grid in this country. Shortly after that, the Taylor Lorenz hit piece came out. Interesting. More coming up. ASDefense.com is known for selling some of the best knife brands in the world at prices the big online guys can't beat. But we didn't want to stop there, so we started making our own knives. And so Centurion was born, one of the toughest fixed blade knives you're ever going to own. Centurion has a limited lifetime warranty. That's because it's made out of tough D2 tool steel, a full plain main edge, and a fully serrated spine. What good is a knife if it can't open your man juice? So we put a bottle opener on there, a gut hook, and a skull crusher. Hunters absolutely love Centurion. Customers have been sending us pictures of Centurion carving up luscious meat steaks out of deer, elk, and even bear. Yeah, you heard me, bear. If you go to asdefense.com and use coupon code MNC, you'll get a nice little discount on Centurion. asdefense.com and ASD knives. Stab responsibly. Stab it fucking knife things! And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. I got to be honest with you. I think that we have uh, some allies in Washington, D.C. The foxes are revolting in D.C. Did you hear that there is another Washington, D.C. fox attack? The first fox was destroyed, killed, murdered, aborted even. This, this fox took it upon themselves to protect humanity against the evil, vile flamingo horde. It's another fox in D.C. Apparently, they got into the National Zoo in D.C. and slaughtered all of the flamingos. Maybe not all of them, but uh, 25 of them. A fox, one fox, went on a killing spree at the National Zoo in Washington, D.C. and killed the flamingos. So I'm assuming that the flamingos are being used by the FBI to spy on people, and the fox is just helping us out. So we had the first fox that bit a a Democrat representative and started biting people at the Capitol, okay, the people's fox. And now we've got this fox, which is out there killing and slaughtering flamingos. I'm telling you, there's something going on in Washington, D.C. with the foxes. So keep an eye on that story. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but clearly there's something happening there. Uh, Also in D.C., because, again, they're not... Totally, they're totally not coming for your kids. Uh, Washington, D.C., they handed out a critical race theory material to four-year-olds. We talked a little bit about this yesterday, and I didn't want to – well, I didn't have time. I wanted to, but I didn't have time to get into the meat and potatoes of it. But I, I wanted – sorry, I got the hiccups. I wanted to cover it a little bit more. So four-year-olds in school got this information, and it asked, it asked the four-year-olds to narc on family members – and report any family members that they believed had racist beliefs. Which, of course, four-year-olds know nothing about. Nothing at all. Uh, If you've ever had a four-year-old, four-year-olds will innocently say things that sound very, very racist sometimes, even though they're not trying to be. They just don't know how to say things because they're four. So anyway, uh, this is the story from, where is this? Is this Fox? It might be Fox. I don't know. A public elementary school in Washington, D.C. gave children as young as four a lesson on anti-racism that asked them to identify racist members of their family. 
Okay, one, um, it's you're still allowed to be a racist if you want to be a racist. Makes you, makes you a bit of a piece of crap, but you're allowed to be a racist. There's no crime in being a bigot. A lot of them have jobs at CNN and MSNBC. According to a November 30th letter from Janney Elementary School Principal Danielle Singh, students in pre-K uh, through third grade participated in an anti-racism fight club. Uh, it was a presentation by Doing Richards. And uh, my my live stream yesterday had some fun with that. We mentioned it because they're like, if your name sounds like that little thing on the back of your door, you know, doing that little, you know, the little like spring thing, then you might you might have some issues. Uh, doing Richards, in case you wanted to know, uh, is an activist who, quote, curates presentations and interactive workshops and whose anti-racism fight club is billed as a no nonsense, high energy interactive workshop. Right. The Fist Book for Kids, which we mentioned yesterday, says anti-racism isn't a spectator sport, but requires being loud, uncomfortable, confrontational, and visible to ensure change is made. Unless, of course, you're a Republican or a conservative, then don't do any of those things. Under a section titled How to Deal with Racism from Loved Ones, the book teaches children just because someone is older than you doesn't mean that they're right all the time. That is true, technically. If someone doesn't believe that people should be treated equally based on the color of their skin, then they are the problem. Parents need to stop making excuses for that behavior if they truly believe in anti-racism. And, of course, a four-year-old can totally discern when a parent is being racist versus a parent just realizing, hey, that kid's a bit of a problem and you can't play with them. Four-year-olds can totally determine that. Right. Who in your family has racist beliefs? Do you think you can change their ways? What is your strategy for dealing with them? You think for a second this ain't going to be put into a database at that school? Oh, little Billy's daddy's a bigot, according to four-year-old Billy, who can totally understand the concept. Right. What do you think is going to happen with that information? Well, what's going to happen is the school in Washington, D.C. is going to take it. They're going to pass it off to the Flamingos at the National Zoo. And those Flamingos, which are operated by the FBI, are going to pass it off to all the powers that be in Washington, D.C. and the Capitol. And then, of course, you're going to have a database. And since technically it didn't really constitute spying, everybody will be good. We've, we've seen that story play out before, haven't we? We're not going to spy on Americans because that's illegal. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask our friends, the British, to spy on Americans for us and then hand us that information while we're also in another country, and then we technically didn't spy on anybody. See how that works? What a roundabout way to build a database of problematic parents. Those are the parents that will go through the entire school system and not be told anything about what's happening with their child. They will be kept out of school events. Every time they volunteer for the PTA or whatever else is happening at the school, they won't be allowed because those parents will be secluded and isolated. Their kids will be screened for extra testing, extra psychiatry, and that sort of stuff. And that's how this is going to happen. That's that's the whole reason for all of this. You know, speaking of illegally spying on people, though, I do have to ask this question. There's an article written about this, and, and I've kind of made references to this on my show. Um, who is the most investigated person in American public life right now? Anybody? Amelia, have any ideas? 
the most investigated, like high profile person in this country. Trump. Amelia says Trump. Do you agree with that? Probably Trump, right? Trump's been investigated an awful lot. How many of the supposed crimes that he's committed have stuck? How many? The answer is zero. And there is yet another grand jury as of yesterday. No charges. Hasn't done anything wrong. When was the last time somebody was perpetually investigated for multiple violations slash crimes, whatever you want to refer to it as, because they're not crimes. A lot of things he's been investigated for actually aren't even illegal. When's the last time that happened and the person was squeaky clean? Is he the cleanest person that we have in public life in the United States? Question has to be asked. Only the Flamingos would know, but the Fox killed them all. we got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Let me ask you if this sounds like this might be a news story. Okay. Now, we know that Joe Biden is out there going, I'm not at all upset about the Supreme Court leak. Okay. We already know that. But what if I were to tell you that his son, shocker, Hunter Biden, that his son met with a Russian oligarch directly tied to Vladimir Putin, who may or may not have cancer, who may or may not have gotten cancer from the vaccine. What if I told you that Hunter Biden had a meeting in Moscow with a Russian oligarch who was buddy-buddy with Vladimir Putin? What if I told you that? What if I told you that Hunter Biden met that exact same oligarch that he met in Moscow in New York One more time, and then in D.C. another time. What if, what if I told you that that Russian oligarch who met with Hunter Biden in Moscow, met with Hunter Biden in New York, met with Hunter Biden in Washington, D.C., what if I told you that that Russian oligarch had been sanctioned by the United Kingdom but has not been sanctioned by the United States? even though the United States is sanctioning all sorts of Russian oligarchs tied to Vladimir Putin. Wouldn't that be a story? I mean, we're, we're running around the world capturing yachts that belong to Russian oligarchs right now. We're closing bank accounts down. We're seizing assets, right? And I'm talking about we, I mean, the whole West. So how is it that this Russian oligarch, who is really good friends with Vladimir Putin is not sanctioned by the United States, but is sanctioned by allies of ours. Why Why is that person not sanctioned by us? What do you think the reasoning for that is? And then you find out that he's met with Hunter Biden, not once, not twice, but at least three times. Why did he meet with Hunter Biden? To discuss a business deal. Hmm. Now, if... Somebody were on the outside looking in. Did it say Tuesday? Tinfoil Tuesday. If somebody were on the outside looking in, still looking for my Reynolds Rap endorsement, and you had the son of the former vice president 
who met with this oligarch three separate times all over the world to discuss business dealings. And that Russian oligarch is not sanctioned by the former vice president. Some people might look at that and go, wow, um, there seems to be a conflict of interest here. Why is it that our allies are sanctioning this guy, but we are not sanctioning him? Could it be that he's had some meetings with the former vice president's son on several occasions about business dealings? Maybe. I'm sure it's just a coinkydink, though. I'm sure that there's there's nothing at all nefarious happening here. After all, we know that the Biden family has never done anything inappropriate or unethical. All of their business dealings are on the up and up. We've They've never, never crossed a line ever in the history of the family business. Hunter Biden flew to Moscow for a meeting with a now-sanctioned Russian oligarch with reported ties to Vladimir Putin. Hey, anybody want to guess where we got this information from? Anybody? Going once, going twice. Oh, that's right, Hunter Biden's laptop. Yeah. Hmm. Vladimir... Yevtushenkov, 73 years old, owned a company which reportedly supplied Putin's forces with drones used for deadly bombing raids in Ukraine until last year, owned a key Russian defense contractor, RTI. But while he was added to the UK and Australian sanctions list this month, remains one of a handful of oligarchs unsanctioned by the Biden administration. And it's weird because there's only a few of them that we haven't sanctioned. And I'm willing to bet if you dig enough, you'll probably find out that they've got business dealings with the Biden family, or at least with the Obama family. Hunter's multiple meetings with and apparent business deals with him are the latest in a troubling web of his connections to Putin-linked mega-rich individuals, which has emerged from his abandoned laptop. Emails show the former vice president's son and his business partners were courting this Russian oligarch for an investment in their real estate company back in 2012 and 2013. Mm -hmm. Now, again, that's a long time ago. And it would be perfectly fair for somebody at at any corporate media outlet to go, that was a long time ago. You you can't hold that against him now for everything that's happening in Russia now. I would say that that is a fair assessment. I would also say still worth questioning why this guy's not on the sanction list and almost every other Russian oligarch is. Could be something there. Maybe there's nothing there, but at least we should look at it, right? That's the that's the whole thing. That's what they always said about Trump. Hey, look, we don't have any inter- we don't have any evidence whatsoever that he interfered in any elections or you know was working with the Russians or anything like that. We don't have any evidence of that, but we have to look into it because it's such an egregious possibility. Same standard doesn't apply here, though, right? Rosemont Realty. Was founded in 20, uh, 2008, almost at 2008, <laughs> 2008 by Hunter's Yale schoolmates, Devin Archer, and former Secretary of State John Kerry's stepson, Chris Hines, all of which have business dealings in Ukraine. Hmm. Hunter joined the firm's advisory board in 2010 and was a part owner, earning him hundreds of thousands of dollars. Emails show that in 2011, this now jailed business partner, Archer, was traveling to Russia, staying in luxury hotels. And dining on bear meat. You ever had bear meat? The vegetarian over here is, no. Bear meat's really good, okay? Uh, it's 
It's hard to get your hands on sometimes, but super, super good. Highly recommended if you get a chance. Laying the foundations of future real estate deals that he believed could be lucrative for the firm. Do you remember what they said about the Trump family when they wanted to do a real estate deal in Russia? Anybody remember that? Headlines for days. Days there were headlines about them wanting to do a deal in Russia. And now that instantly made them puppets of Putin. Hmm. In November of that year, Devin Archer wrote to an associate, Moscow is going great. It does look like I will be back quite a bit. It does look like I will be back quite oh back quite a bit. Sorry. Grammatical issues. Quite a bit based on our initial response in the real estate fund pitch. Three months later, Hunter Biden got involved, scheduling a trip to the Russian capital, that's Moscow, for a dinner with the oligarch at the headquarters of his company. Okay, now that was February 16th of 2012, according to the emails and the calendar entries on Hunter Biden's non-existent laptop. Documents published this week by journalist Vicki Ward on her blog suggest the Russian billionaire then took a trip to the United States for meetings with Hunter and his Rosemont Realty business partners. And again, that happened in New York, happened in D.C. And wouldn't you know it, there's a picture of all of these guys, except for the Russian oligarch, with a Joseph Biden. Hmm. Golf. Golf. Remember, Devin Archer would golf with Joe Biden on a regular basis, but they totally never discussed any business. That Never, never, never came up. Not one time. Hunter Biden says it did. Joe Biden says it didn't. What's interesting about this is that if this were any Republican at all, if Hunter Biden were Donald Trump Jr. or Eric Trump or Ivanka even, the media would be all over this story as evidence of, hey, their Russian oligarch buddy isn't sanctioned And maybe that's because they really do have an investment deal with them and they're friends. It goes back, the relationship goes back to 2011 for crying out loud. Hmm. Like I said, I don't know if there's any actual illegal activity there, but sure does seem like something that should be looked into. MNC News Time is 431. Thank your mom for not aborting you. Go to ImpressJewelers.com. Use MomDay15, save 15% on your entire purchase. Some exclusions apply. Impress Jewelry Creations. These rude people calling me in the middle of the show? It's messed up. It's a local number, too. Don't you know who I am? (laughs) Anyway. All right, we got some COVID news to go over here. And I'm going to be honest with you. This is... I have a couple of things that are YouTube strike and Facebook strike worthy. All right. And I'm going to start with the first one, which is probably, I would say probably the scariest one, but also gives me the opportunity to once again tell you, I told you so. Ready? I know you're going to be shocked by this. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention. They bought access to location data that was harvested from tens of millions of your phones in the United States. Hmm. You remember when a radio host, his name rhymes with Casey, told you that the CDC was going to track all of you? And you remember how local health officials 
tried to tell everybody that that was a conspiracy theory. Do you remember when the St. Joseph County health officials had that secret meeting that was exposed in which they were talking about some of the stuff that I was saying on the show and they called me a conspiracy theorist? Remember, remember how one of those things mentioned databases? Remember that? Do you remember that? If you don't, welcome to the show. You must be new here. Yeah, vice.com. Vice, which is a left-wing publication. The CDC tracked millions of phones to see if Americans followed COVID lockdown orders. Ah, told you. Newly released documents show the CDC planned to use phone location data to monitor schools and churches and wanted to use the data for many non-COVID related purposes. Told you. Casey, you're just a... It is Tuesday, Tinfoil Tuesday. You're just a conspiracy theorist. Right. Like, I haven't seen these patterns before. Okay, here we go. The CDC bought access to location data harvested from tens of millions of phones in the United States to perform analysis of compliance with curfews, track patterns of people visiting K-12 schools, and specifically monitor the effectiveness of policies in the Navajo Nation. Those darn Navajos. Haven't they been put through enough? I got family on on Navajo reservations, so I can say that stuff. The documents also show that although the CDC used COVID-19 as a reason to buy access to the data more quickly, it intended to use it for more general CDC purposes. Oh, Location data is information on a device's location, Sourced from the phone, which can then show where a person lives, works, where they they met, uh, where they went, excuse me. The sort of data the CDC bought was aggregated, meaning that it was designed to follow trends that emerged from the movements of groups of people. But researchers have repeatedly raised concerns with lo- how location data can be de-anonymized, excuse me, and used to track specific people. Um, you remember many, many years ago when Representative Wolarski and I got into an argument on my show. And I told her that her supporting metadata collection by the federal government was a massive mistake because metadata is a heck of a lot more dangerous than just your full data. Okay, So if you're collecting metadata, you can weave any narrative that you want, any narrative that you want. And she had wrongly been told, okay, I don't blame her for this. She was misled. She had wrongly been told by Clapper and everything else, uh, Director of National Intelligence, that yeah, the data that we were collecting on Americans, first of all, we were told that they weren't collecting data on Americans. And when they found out that they were collecting data on Americans, which, again, I told you was happening, we found out that it was just metadata. And then the argument became, well, it's just metadata. It's not a big deal. Metadata, you can rebuild somebody's entire existence, and you can formulate a narrative that you want to. I have told you about this repeatedly throughout my career. This was, in part, my former job. So when I tell people this stuff, I expect you to take it seriously and not listen to your dweebus cousin, okay? I'm sorry, Daryl doesn't know what he's talking about. So now the CDC is using this this stuff, not just for COVID. Once you get access to the information, once COVID's over, they still have access for the information. They can do whatever they want with the information, which is, again, something that I told you would happen. Oh, it's a conspiracy theory. 
Just like the COVID camp was a conspiracy theory until they actually started showing up. But then they're just voluntary, right? Yeah, they were voluntary in China, too, for a while. The documents reveal the expansive plan the CDC had last year to use location data from highly controversial data broker SafeGraph. The company, the CDC, paid $420,000 for access to one year of data to include Peter Thiel and the former head of Saudi intelligence among its investors. Now, Peter Thiel, conservative investor, okay? Just so you know, Google actually banned the company from the Play Store in June over its data collection. The CDC used the data. Here's the thing. If you're collecting data and Google thinks you're going too far, you probably went too far because Google goes too far. The CDC used the data for monitoring curfews, with the document saying that SafeGraph's data has been critical for ongoing response efforts, such as hourly monitoring of activity in curfew zones or detailed counts of visits to participating pharmacies or vaccine monitoring. Cool. Zach Edwards, who's a cybersecurity researcher, follows the, uh, the data marketplace. He told Motherboard in an online chat after reviewing the documents that the CDC seems to have purposefully created an open-ended list of use cases which includes monitoring curfews, neighbor-to-neighbor visits, visits to churches, schools, and pharmacies, and also a variety of analysis with this data specifically focused on, quote, violence. Hmm. The document doesn't stop at churches. It also mentions places of worship. Motherboard also obtained the documents through a FOIA request with the CDC. The documents contain a long list of what the CDC describes as 21 different Potential CDC use cases for the data, which includes, in part, tracking patterns of those visiting K-12 schools by the school and compared to 2019, compared with uh, EPI metrics, which is Environmental Performance Index, if possible. Environmental Performance Index. Environmental Performance Index. You get it? Examination of the correlation of mobility patterns. Uh, rise in COVID cases, movement restrictions, border closures, night curfews in order to show compliance, examination of the effectiveness of public policy on the Navajo Nation, amongst dozens of others. It's a long read. You need to read it. It'll be in the daily show prep on my website, theburningtruth.us. It hurts when you read. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Interesting headline today. The media is slowly coming around to the idea that COVID vaccines aren't as effective as advertised. Look, you have the the flipping CEO of Pfizer going, our vaccine isn't very good, doesn't last very long. What else What else do you need? Casey, you didn't say that. And then I will send you the video of him saying it, and you will refuse to watch it because you have confirmation bias. You ready? Legal insurrection readers have been keeping up with the news about the swarm of COVID infections hitting the vaccinated and boosted among Washington, D.C. insiders. The infected include Kamala Harris, Merrick Garland, Nancy Pelosi who then carried it over to Ukraine. Thanks, Nancy. Helping the Russians out. Now the media is slowly revealing what many of us have known for some time. The vaccines aren't as effective at preventing COVID as initially advertised. 
No kidding. I realize that the science has said this for a long time. I realize that the data said this for a long time, well over a year. But what is so staggering is that people still buy into the original narrative, which is that if you get vaccinated, you won't get COVID. And we now know that you're more likely to get a reinfection of COVID if you're vaccinated than those who are not vaccinated. To begin with, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel revealed that state health data indicated that vaccinated are contracting COVID at about the same rates as the unvaccinated. Interestingly, the disparity in health outcomes has also become less substantial. The Wisconsin Department of Health Services, DHS, found that in March, those not fully vaccinated were being diagnosed with COVID-19 at a similar rate as those who were fully vaccinated. To be exact, people not fully vaccinated were diagnosed with COVID-19 at a rate of 1.1 times higher than people who were fully vaccinated. The state attributes this finding to the Omicron variant. Differences in hospitalization and death rates are also significantly smaller than previous months. According to March data, people not fully vaccinated were hospitalized at a rate of 2.4 times higher than fully vaccinated people, and they died at 3.4 times uh, higher rate. When the DHS last reported illness after vaccination data was uh, in January and December, that data found that residents not fully vaccinated were 10 times more likely to be hospitalized and 14 times more likely to die. Hmm. Washington Post also reported that the disparity in fatality rates between vaccinated and unvaccinated elderly patients was dwindling. However, the article also continued to toe the line on vaccinations, which, again, they do. In a nutshell, the virus, in its many permutations, is evading the vaccine and hitting the vulnerable hard. Right. We've seen this over and over and over and over again. Okay, let's go to the next study. You ready for this? This is seven news in Israel. This is a national news outfit in Israel. New study. Face mask usage correlates with higher death rates. Huh. Where have you heard this before? Using data from 35 countries and 602 million people, a peer-reviewed study confirms previous research and cautions use of face masks may have harmful unintended consequences, also known as duh. New peer-reviewed study entitled Correlation Between Mask Compliance and COVID-19 Outcomes in Europe has demonstrated that use of face masks, even widespread, did not correlate with better outcomes during the COVID pandemic, which is universally what the data shows everywhere in the world. Masks have not prevented the spread. Masks have not reduced the severity of it. Masks have benefited you in zero Zero ways, okay? Zero. The study noted that the average proportion of mask usage in the period investigated, October 2020 until March 2021, was about 60.9%, okay? Plus or minus 19.9%. Governments and advisory bodies have recommended and often mandated the wearing of face masks in public spaces, and in many areas, mandates or recommendations remain in place despite the fact The study notes that randomized controlled trials from prior to and during the epidemic have failed to show the benefits of the wearing of such masks with regard to COVID transmission. One of the reasons that I've sat here on this show the entire pandemic, I've simply said, if I'm a conspiracy theorist, it should be really easy for the public health officials who keep attacking me privately to prove me wrong. All they have to do is produce one single study that says I'm wrong. How many have they produced? 
zero. I shouldn't be able to go to the NIH website and pull up a dozen studies showing that masking doesn't work against an aerosolized virus, while the public health officials telling you to put a face diaper on can't produce a single speck of evidence that supports their position. That is ridiculous. Positive correlation between mask usage and cases was not statistically significant, the study also found, while the correlation between mask usage and deaths was positive and significant. That is to say, the more mask usage correlated with a higher death rate. Now, remember, they're still in the process of studying this in Scandinavia. There is a theory that the way people were using their masks actually caused the virus to spread more. The study used a variety of statistical methods to study correlation, but none of these tests provided negative correlations between mask usage and cases and deaths. Surprisingly, weak positive correlations were observed when mask compliance was plotted against morbidity and mortal- or mortality in each country. The study also noted that the public may have gained the impression that masks could be helpful due to the fact that mandates were usually implemented after the first peak of COVID cases had passed. However, it became evident that masks were not, in fact, helpful later that same year when widespread mask usage does not appear to have mitigated the severity of the COVID wave of the winter of 2020. Moreover, the study concludes, the moderate positive correlation between mask usage and deaths in Western Europe also suggests that the universal use of masks may have had harmful unintended consequences, of which many we have gone over on this show, including bacterial infections and things like that, which is what tends to kill people during the pandemic. And when you start looking at uh, studies of what is actually contaminating various masks that people are wearing, and you start to look at what actually caused people to physically die, what specific ailment that was exploited in the COVID pandemic, you start to see, oh, they all have the exact same thing on the mask as what killed that person. Isn't that interesting? And again, part of this is because people were not wearing their masks properly. People were not cleaning their masks. People were continuing to use the same old mask over and over and over again. And that mask became contaminated with various things that you then breathe those things in. All of a sudden you have that infection. You get where I'm going with this. We've gone over this for two years now. But this is just the latest research out of Israel. And the reason that we like looking at Israeli research is because Israel has a a universal health system there. The government strictly regulates what happens there when it comes to health. And they meticulously, meticulously compile data. So when you get a study out of Israel, you are benefiting from a somewhat totalitarian medical industry that is constantly logging everything that happens there. So you're able to get a very robust, very good set of data, even though they took this, in this particular study, they took this data from other countries, uh, hence the large uh, potential error rate. It is still very, very important to take a look at this stuff and see how they've compiled it. Because... There's only a few places in the Western world that actually do that. The UK is another one. And the UK data we cite a lot on this show, whereas it's much more difficult in the United States to get this data together, uh, which is one of the reasons the CDC wanted to do what they were doing with all of your metadata. 
All right, folks, we got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Don't forget, you can go to Rumble, rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Hit that subscribe button. The word of the day in the comments section is babies. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. Got a couple of blurbs to get out of the way, and then we'll, we'll move into something that I didn't get to yesterday. I uh, promised I would try to get to today. Obviously, the uh, the SCOTUS thing was a big deal. We did the first hour on that, getting just listener reaction to it. And again, keep in mind that you know there's going to be drafts of other opinions here. This is a 98-page draft. Uh, it was leaked for political purposes, 100%. There's no other logical reason why this leak could have happened. This is obviously designed... Uh, and, and here's the thing. It was leaked without context. So when Politico published it, there's no context. You know, they're going to formulate their own opinions on other stuff. And um, now while the leak is authenticated, it doesn't it doesn't represent the final ruling of the court. You know, things can change, that sort of stuff. So just keep that in mind as you go forward. But, you know, you have to, have to, you have to ask yourself, excuse me, I'm starving. You have to ask yourself, why was it leaked now where you've got Indiana and other states all across the country starting their starting their um, their primary season, and what was the what was the reason for leaking it? Like right before that, just ask yourself that. Uh, we're coming into the midterm elections. The Democrats don't have anything to run on, not a single thing. In fact, I was telling you earlier in the week that the polling reports coming out for um, uh, Latino voters. Not just Hispanics. A lot of people confuse the two. Liberals find this very confusing. Latino and Hispanic are not the same thing. Um, But what you end up finding out is that the Latino community has now majority moved to the Republican Party. It's over 52%. And this is not a good sign for the Democrats. There's a few things going on. First of all, the Democrats abandoned the black community to court Latino voters. They've poured a lot of resources and a lot of energy into doing that. Latino voters are a much bigger voting block than the black community is. And they have really tried to capture them. But they try doing it with things that are not traditional Latino and Hispanic values. They're, they tend to be pro-life. They tend to be very faith-based individuals. They, they tend to also not like weak border security. But this has always been ignored by the Democratic Party. So now we're in a position where the latest polling, even coming from ABC News, has Latinos supporting the GOP 52%. Will that swing back to the Democrats in future elections? Sure, absolutely. And it's still early now. So if the messaging can get on point, the Democrats can woo a lot of them back. But there's an article today in Newsweek. Now, Newsweek, again, very left-wing publication. It's not just Hispanics. They mean Latinos. The Democrats are losing the black vote. Now, we've talked about the shift away from the Democratic Party. Black men in particular are not liberal. They're just not. Um, now, when you start to look at the, the female vote, black women are the probably the most left-wing of any voting bloc. But when it comes to black men, they have clearly moved towards the GOP. Donald Trump picked up more Hispanic votes than anybody. Donald Trump picked up more black votes than any Republican. I shouldn't say anybody, any Republican, okay? 
when you start to take a look at at this, the, the gay vote, okay, largest um, largest uh, number of gay votes for Republican candidate. This scares Democrats. Why do you think they're pushing so hard to get him out of there? It's not just his policies. It's not just his drop his uh, swamp draining efforts and you know language and that sort of thing because he largely failed at draining the swamp. He was able to get some stuff done, but but the point is is that they see the writing on the wall. Traditional Democrat voting blocks were moving away from them and they were moving towards Donald Trump. And it didn't matter how much they falsely accused him of being a racist or a bigot or sexist or whatever, they still were voting for him in much larger numbers than your typical Republican candidate would get. This scares them. So you've got this article here in a left-wing publication like Newsweek that says, yeah, it's, it's not just Hispanics and Latinos, but it's the black vote too. You remember when Pete Buttigieg was on the uh, the Breakfast Club with Charlemagne the God, and Charlemagne the God is like, you know, you guys are losing the black vote. I, like, there's a lot of black people looking at your administration and, and saying you guys aren't keeping your promises. Remember what Pete Buttigieg's reaction was? He looked at him, he goes, "Really?" And he kind of like hunched down, like, "Huh? What?" That's Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg is not comfortable around the black community. Pete Buttigieg is. The stereotypical, do not put me anywhere where people don't look like me kind of guy. That's just who he is, okay? Which is one of the reasons that the black community didn't really embrace him here in South Bend, and they didn't embrace him when he ran for president anywhere else in the country either. So this is in the Newsweek article. The Democratic Party is a huge problem. For decades now, they have been hemorrhaging white, rural, and working class voters to the Republicans a trend that they have managed to offset with supermajorities of voters of color. This was the basis of the emerging majority theory popular in Democratic circles just a few years ago, which posited that as America became less and less white, it could become more and more firmly attached to the Democratic Party. They have been saying this forever. Once white people are the minority, the Democrats will rule forever. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. Your typical conservative values are the typical values that you will find in in black families. Your typical conservative values are values that you will find in Latino voters, especially Hispanic voters. Once they start realizing that, once they are engaged by conservatives and actually spoken to and courted, if you will, This monopoly will change. I've been saying it for my entire career. I've been chastising the Republican Party for not doing it. Frankly, I understand and completely appreciate why so many minority voters have abandoned the Republican Party, because in large swaths of the country, the Republican Party has abandoned them. They they don't it's not that they don't want their votes. It's not they don't share the same values. It's just that. They don't see any need to show up because they already view those communities as just voting for Democrats no matter what. So why waste the resources when you can go over here and try and recruit people who might be in the middle? This article is going to continue here in a second. Um, And then we're going to get into something that I I promised I would get into yesterday. just didn't get an opportunity to do so. But why do you think you've got Supreme Court leaks right now? They desperately need things to run on. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
lot of people were asking me advice uh, yesterday and today on voting and, and everything else. And, you know, look, I, I don't have a lot. Most of you know I generally don't get involved in the primaries all that much. Occasionally I do. Um, I, I gave you two two candidates yesterday that I really think that you need to vote for if you're a conservative Republican. If you are not a conservative Republican, you'll probably, you know, do whatever. Um, but, I you know, it, it's it has been it's been frustrating throughout my entire career because various things happen in primaries. People abandon all reason. Suddenly, the same people that are constantly asking you for information and turning to you for information and knowledge suddenly don't care about your opinion anymore because they've gotten roped into some tribalist nonsense. Um, But again, as I've said my entire career, when you have people in office that you agree with like 90% of the time or more, there is no reason to run against that person. There's no reason to primary that person. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of effort. It's an ego trip. That's all it is. Um, usually it's done by people who don't run campaigns very good. And that's been happening this election cycle, just like it happens every single election cycle. Makes no sense. And usually when you have two candidates running against each other, but they agree over 90% of the time, sometimes closer to 100% of the time, it turns into a mudslinging contest, usually with one of those candidates doing most of that mudslinging. So I I would encourage people to just, you know, I, I know that you're down to the last half hour, Nothing I can say is really going to affect any outcome of any votes at this point in time. Um, but I, I certainly hope that most of you didn't fall for that. I guess we'll find out tomorrow. I guess we'll find out tomorrow. Um, yes, I'm speaking about one very specific race, which I addressed yesterday. But again, I said, it's, you know, polls close at 6 o'clock. It's not like I'm going to be affecting any outcomes or anything like that. Um, so we're, we're going back to this Newsweek article. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but this Newsweek article, you know, basically is being written saying, hey, look, Democrats aren't just losing you know, Hispanic and Latino voters are losing the black vote as well. The problem with this theory, talking about the emerging majority theory, which is once whites become a minority in the country, the Democrats can have complete control. So the article continues. The problem with this theory is that it relied on the premise that minorities were going to remain solid Democrats. And that premise is turning out to be false. What we're seeing today is that working class Hispanic voters and conservative black voters are a lot more like their white counterparts than anyone in the Democratic Party had bargained for. And that spells serious trouble for the left. As I've said before countless times on this show, we have far more in common as American people than the political parties would ever want you to believe. That is the simple, unadulterated, unfiltered truth. When you talk with your far-left Coworkers, family members, neighbors, and I'm not talking about deranged people. Okay, there are deranged people on both sides that can't be reasoned with. But when you talk to your average coworker, your average relative, your average neighbor, when you talk to them about various issues, they're going to agree with you on a heck of a lot more than you ever thought possible. Because most people are fairly reasonable. Really, elections kind of come down to. Um, do I know somebody? Is that person, you know, um, going to be somebody that I support just because they're my friend or they're my relative or because they're going to have good policy? It really comes down to these micro tribalist mantras that happen. There's always some kind of an ideological purist who runs. Um, that's a person that will never live up to their own ideological purity litmus test. 
It never happens. Much has been made of the Republican shift among Hispanic voters. And to be sure, it has been significant. Between the 2018 and 2020 elections, Hispanic voters without college degrees swung up to the GOP by a whopping 30 points. And right now, like I said, Latino voters are saying 52% to 38 that they are swinging towards the GOP. This is even more pronounced in Texas border counties where local communities are experiencing the crisis at the border firsthand. The county with the highest percentage of Hispanic voters uh, once backed Hillary Clinton by 60 points, but they only backed then-candidate Joe Biden by five. That's because Joe Biden's crazy. The article continues. They go into Pew Research and everything else. 25% of black Democrats identify as conservative. 25% of black Democrats identify as conservative. Around 40% identify as moderate. You realize 65% of self-identified black Democrats do not align themselves with the base of the Democratic Party or the leadership of the Democratic Party. That explains an awful lot why they're so willing to go over to Republicans in various communities around the country. This is... One of the reasons you get leaks like what we have happen with the Supreme Court today. What else are they going to run on? The economy is crap. Their foreign policy has been crap. What else can they run on? Nothing. So they've got to make it about scaring women. They don't have any other options at this point in time. Let me take a, let me take a look at, at this comparison chart here. This was written by uh, Rabbi Michael Barkley. And I put it in the Daily Show prep for yesterday, and I will put it in again. All right, here we go. Uh, Like the death of George Floyd, Hearst Wessel was the spark that Goebbels and Hitler used to motivate peaceful demonstrations that were in actuality violent riots funded and planned with the intention of gaining national power through violence and fear. Sound familiar? It's the same way that the Nazis pressured the German government to fly the Nazi flag next to the German tricolor flag. Our State Department has done the exact same thing with the BLM flag being flown over federal buildings. And BLM, again, a domestic terrorist organization that has stolen millions and millions, if not billions of dollars. Teaching critical race theory in the 1619 Project and values that contradict uh, to biblical ethics is not the behavior of only current leftists. After the Nazis came to power in 1933, they quickly passed new laws to make public education reflect and teach the nationalist and racial ideologies. By 1936, 97% of German teachers were members of the National Socialist Teachers League and changed the school curricula to reflect Nazi values. Any teacher disagreed lost their job. Sound familiar? Biden isn't the first former vice president to take on emergency powers to force the populace to follow the mandates of his handlers. Paul von Hindenburg, the president of Germany from 1925 until his death in 1934, under the pressure of his advisors, appointed Hitler the chancellor of Germany in 1933. He then surrendered even more to Hitler and disbanded the Reichstag and elected the elected legislature of the German Republic. We often refer to the Weimar Republic on this show for various reasons. Yet another parallel is the advanced age and questionable competency of Hindenburg and Biden. Hindenburg 
was 84 when he seized his power, seized this power and destroyed democracy in Germany. Even the agenda-driven Wikipedia recognizes this. Yeah, very true. The Enabling Act 1933, which amended the Weimar Constitution to allow Hitler and his governors to enact laws, which, again, were violation of that Constitution. You're seeing a lot of that recommendation today coming from Democrats about the Supreme Court. This article was written, you know, several days ago, but we're seeing it come to, it was written on the 30th. It was published on the 30th. Latest action of the DHS and Biden administration in the creation of a disinformation governance board is an even more frightening step towards the fascism of the Nazis a century ago. It is almost identical in purpose and presentation as Goebbels' Nazi Ministry of Propaganda and Public Enlightenment. You even heard the woman who's going to take over the DHS Ministry of Truth talk about how it would be very Nazi-esque for the federal government in the United States to manage and monitor disinformation. And she specifically referenced Nazi Germany. Why did she reference all of that? Because a Democrat politician from Connecticut said that he was concerned about some of the things that she had said in 2020 about disinformation and how the federal government should handle disinformation. And so to put that to bed, she goes, I don't support it either, because that's how we got Nazi Germany. It's how we got Stalin. Right. And now she's being put in charge of the very thing that she says we shouldn't be doing. I'm telling you, read this article. It's one of many that I've referenced and I've written several talking about the comparisons to Nazi Germany and how we have been going as a country for many times. Remember, they love calling you the fascist, but everything the left accuses the right of doing, they themselves are doing. More coming up, Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Make sure you check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Don't forget, tomorrow, all of the results from the primary elections. We'll be chit-chatting about that. See if there's any surprises that come up. There's a couple of races I'm watching that could be big surprises. So it'll be interesting to see what ends up actually happening there. And then if we get into general election time, that's when we tend to have more candidates on and, and that sort of stuff. Um, people ask me this every single every single primary. Why is it that you don't have a lot of candidates on in the primaries? Well, the reason that we don't tend to have a lot of candidates on during primary season is because there's so many candidates. So what ends up happening is uh, if we have one person on as a candidate, and this is different for elected officials because they're still your representatives and having them on is a different thing, um, but we get a lot of equal time requests. So if you've got 10 people in one race and we have one of those candidates on, you'll get nine people making an equal time request. You will never do a show again. <laughs> it's just one of those things. So we tend to stay away from most of those primary races not all of them. Obviously, they're not all created equal. Some are you know, pretty big. Um, but most of you know where I stand on a lot of these issues. Um, now, with that said, there's usually requests to come on. Most of those requests are, are granted unless it is a crazy race. And, and at that point, you know, we'll explain to them, like, you know, hey, we can't have all 10 people on. But if you've got two candidates or something like that, we're happy to have those people on. It's just up to them to make those requests. Uh, if they don't make those requests, they they generally don't get on. I don't waste my time and effort hunting down everybody running for office. 
And if somebody wants to uh, to run for office and they want to come on the show and it's not a crazy primary race, we're happy to have them on. And we're happy to offer that equal time to their opponent as well. So for those of you who are curious about that stuff, that's typically how that goes down. Sony may actually deserve some congratulations here. Sony says no to China. That is the headline at redstate.com. Uh, China made a request of Sony in the latest Spider-Man movie to remove the Statue of Liberty. Gee, I wonder why China doesn't want the Statue of Liberty in their movie. Hmm, interesting. In a radical departure from the usual international corporate kowtowing to China, Sony decided against releasing its latest installment in the Spider-Man movie series, Spider-Man No Way Home, in China after refusing Chinese requests to delete the Statue of Liberty from the film. Interesting. When Sony refused to delete the statue from the movie, Chinese authorities asked if the company could diminish the statue's presence. Sony considered the request, according to the sources, but ultimately decided against editing the movie and did not release it in China. It's unclear whether Chinese censors blocked the movie's release or if Sony preemptively opted against releasing it. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder why they don't want the Statue of Liberty being prominent. Anybody? Oh, I don't know. Maybe look at the drone telling all of the people screaming for their freedom in Shanghai, China. That drone telling everybody to quell their heart's desire for freedom. Remember that? So maybe China, in the midst of COVID, doesn't want the internationally recognized symbol of freedom and liberty, the Statue of Liberty, to be prominent in that movie. Because it might inspire, you know, people opening their windows and screaming for freedom like they did in Shanghai. That could be a reason. So very interesting stuff. Look, I, here's the deal. Uh, first of all, the new Spider-Man movies are fantastic. Okay, the, the new series and and the the new the new actor and everything, they've been done very very well. I've been very very happy with them. So I was already going to be watching this anyway. But kudos to Sony, um, who is a Japanese company. Kudos to Sony for telling China to pound sand. You don't get that a lot in Hollywood. You really don't. And most of, most of the time, Hollywood says, oh, we definitely want the Chinese box office. So, we'll, yeah, we'll pretend that Taiwan doesn't exist. Sure. Right, John Cena? The almighty dollar, right? Hey, you got to pay for the steroids somehow. Just, just saying. John Cena doesn't use steroids. Yeah, he's totally natural, guys. 100%. 100%. Every WWE star is 100% natural. Okay. You say so, Cupcake. Uh, but kudos to Sony for standing up to China and choosing not to take the Chinese box office and uh, continuing to do the movie the way that they wanted to do the movie. So that deserves some praise, and Sony deserves that. Um, you know, they're going to do a lot of other stuff that we don't agree with, but in this case, Sony deserves some congratulations for standing up for not removing the Statue of Liberty at China's request. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Uh, friendly reminder, pay attention to the uh, the spam gate issue over at Google. This is still ongoing. For those of you who don't know what it is, uh, we've referenced it several times on the show. We haven't done like a deep dive on it because kind of everybody else is doing a deep dive on it. But pay attention to this. This is the one where Google got caught 
filtering out Republican candidates' campaign messages to the spam folder, but they did not do that with Democrat candidates. This continues to unfold, and there's a lot of politicians who want some stuff done to Google as a result of this. So, again, keep an eye on this particular story, especially when we're heading into elections. Tomorrow on the radio show, we will have the results of the uh, the local primaries and uh, get reactions. If there's any major upsets, there's a couple that I think could potentially go down, I'll be honest with you. So it'll be real interesting to see what actually happens as those polls are closing here in about 10 minutes in Indiana. Uh, we'll talk about the funding measures and everything else on the Michigan side of the border also for, for education. So there's going to be a lot of news tomorrow when it comes to local politics, and we'll take a look at some of the primary races all across the country that are of note as well. It's now Bill O'Reilly. We'll see you tomorrow.